0: Hi, I'm Jonathan, and I'm the Global Missions Pastor here at JFC. I'm so excited to introduce Dan Bauman as our guest speaker this weekend. Dan is a missionary with Youth With A Mission. He's based in Kona, Hawaii, but he spends half of his time traveling the world teaching others to simply walk with Jesus. He's traveled to more than 100 countries and has some amazing stories and a great testimony of God's faithfulness. He's also got a new book out called A Fresh Look at Fear which is available in the lobby. At all GFC campuses, would you give a warm welcome to Dan Bauman. Thank you. Good afternoon. How are you? The sun is shining. <laughs> that is a good thing. I've heard you haven't had the best of weather. And, um, Yeah, I can't really talk about weather. I currently live in uh, Kona, Hawaii. (laughs) And so we have good weather all the time. (laughs) I'm actually with Youth With A Mission and we have one of our main training campuses there in Kona, Hawaii. And when God called me to go to Kona, you you know, sometimes when you walk with Jesus, you're, you're not really sure or you kind of have sort of peace or yeah, you're not really exactly sure. But when God said go to Hawaii, I felt peace right away. I, uh, it just felt right in my spirit, you know, like I I knew I had to obey, so I obeyed quickly. Um, So yeah, I'm blessed with really wonderful weather out there. It's great to be back. I love Jubilee. It's very much my home, and um, if you're new here, you might not know that, but I've been here six or seven times now. Feel very closely connected with your pastoral staff and many of you. And I just feel so honored. You might not even know it, but you support me as a missionary. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> and uh, I just love it. I-, I feel at home here. And I'm just so grateful for the years of friendship and just being able to follow what God is doing here as well as your support into my life. I'm with YWAM. And I've been with YWAM for about 26 years. My whole family is with Youth with a Mission as well. I know many people from this church have gone out with YWAM in different things. John was just at our Kona campus with Jonathan just this last week. I actually saw him there. But yeah, my whole family is with YWAM. I'm really blessed. My older sister, she helped start YWAM in Nepal and India with her husband. They've been living there for about 30 years now. My younger sister, she's been in YWAM about 30 years as well, raising a family of four in North India, church planting among Muslims. Then me, I've been in YWAM 26 years. I spent uh, 10 years working in Afghanistan. I spent nine weeks in Iran, in prison, (laughs) but I got out, so you probably figured that out. Um, And then eight years in Colorado, go Colorado. (laughs) I live down in Trinidad. In fact, as you enter Trinidad on the 25, there's a sign that says, we saved the best for last. <laughs> and I want to tell you, I beg to differ. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, all the best to Trinidad. But um, <laughs> yeah, I did love it down there, though. We had a small YWAM training center there for a few years. And uh, yeah, the last eight years now in Kona, Hawaii, with YWAM there. So all three of the kids, we joined YWAM. We grew up in just a normal suburban life in Los Angeles. My parents watched us go into YWAM and travel the world. So they thought if we ever want to see our kids, we got to join YWAM. (laughs) So they joined YWAM. (laughs) And I'm blessed with really godly parents. Um, I love to brag on them, especially my mom. Um, Yeah, she just really loves Jesus. When she found out that I was in prison in Iran... In the first public prayer meeting, this is what she said as she prayed out, "God, I pray that Dan is not released from prison until all of your purposes are fulfilled." <laughs> I'm glad other people were praying. <laughs> uh, I might still be there. <laughs> Man, I don't know if you want to get on her prayer list, <laughs> you know I... But my mom has always pushed us, and my father as well always pushed us to Jesus. My dad's no longer with us, but he also just, I love his walk with the Lord. He was asked once, you know, you got your three kids in such crazy places around the world, and isn't that hard for you, and isn't, don't you have some regrets? And he's like, well, I do have a regret. I wish I would have had 10 kids so they all could go overseas. I'm like, Dad, you know, why doesn't he want us around? (laughs) But my parents have always pushed us uh, overseas. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of my background with uh, YWAM. I currently am traveling about half the year teaching in YWAM schools around the world. We have about 20,000 full-time missionaries all over the world. And then the other half of the year, I'm in Kona working with our training schools, teaching, and working with one of our, our groups in Kona. We kind of have smaller groups within our bigger campus. We have a campus of about 1,000 people at any given time. And one of those smaller groups, we call ourselves Awaken, and we're basically a bunch of uh, people who just want to find Jesus and go out and share the love of Jesus, kind of like YWAM, but kind of a smaller version within it. (laughs) And uh, that's going very well as well. Another part of my life is I have books, and uh, there's some available. I have three. My first book is called Imprisoned in Iran, but we just changed the title to Cell 58, um, that was just a personal uh, decision that I made this last year. Um, I, I was kind of uh, feeling bad by the title Imprisoned in Iran because it incriminates Iranians. And Iranians, as many of you have heard in my story, are some of my dear friends and I, I love them dearly. And I just felt like it was time to change the title. So at least by the title it wouldn't You know, make them feel bad. But it's the same book, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Yeah, don't expect a different story. (laughs) I've only been in prison once. Uh, No sequels, you know. And then I got a second book, A Beautiful Way, which is a simple story about walking with Jesus and discovering the love of God. And then my new book, which is really fun for me. It's called A Fresh Look at Fear, Encountering Jesus in Your Weakness. As I travel the world, I meet many people who are struggling with fear all over the world. And as I meet these people all over the world, yeah, my my heart's gone out to them because the reality is, is I've struggled with fear. And so this book is written from my very vulnerable real look at my own life of how I've struggled with fear. And yet with the hope that as I found Jesus that there truly is hope in the midst of fear, not only, yeah, for victory over fear, but finding Jesus, you find something even better. And that's really where this book points to. There's a lot of good news around the world. I love just, yeah, being able to go all over the world. And we hear a lot of bad news. There's a lot of good news. God is working around the world I don't know if you know, but in the last two years, there have been more Syrians come to know the Lord Jesus than all of the last 2,000 years among the Syrian people. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah, amidst the atrocities of what we see on the news, yeah, God, God is working among the people, and it's very, very encouraging. This year, I myself had the privilege to go to Egypt. And I had such an amazing time, and I I planned my trip months before I actually got there. But I actually landed in Egypt three days after the crisis in Libya, which you probably saw on your your TV sets where 21 Christians were beheaded by, by ISIS. And I had the incredible privilege and honor to be with them and to share with them and to talk about Jesus with them. Those of you who know my story, a lot of my story, especially in my time in prison, talks about how God moved on my heart to love my enemies. And, and I remember when I was there, I was thinking about this, but I thought, no, it's, I can't share this because it's too close to the heart. It's, it's too soon after this tragedy. And the leader came up to me. He knew my story well. He's like, Dan, no, you need to challenge us. You need to challenge us to forgive, challenge us to love the unlovable, And I'm like, okay. And I had such an amazing time as I began to share about the love of Jesus, began to share how God loves people and how he wants us to live with a forgiving heart. Uh, Everyone got on their faces and they began to forgive and they began to bless. And the spirit of God fell. (laughs) So encouraged, so encouraged. Currently in YWAM Kona right now, we have sent out seven different teams to the relief efforts in, the, in Nepal for the earthquake. We've targeted three of the villages that are not getting the, the relief work from other agencies. And we're able, they've given us carte blanche, like do whatever you want. So we're doing the physical rebuilding, but they've allowed us to share the gospel. And we've seen three churches planted in these three villages just in the last two weeks. <laughs> Another exciting thing that's happened to us in YWAM, I don't know if you saw it on the news, but for two years, there has been an American incarcerated in North Korea. His name was Kenneth Bay. He was released finally in November after two years and five days. It was on CNN. It was national news. Just this last week, he came to Kona, Hawaii, and I got to hear his story firsthand. He told this amazing story. In the fourth day as he was incarcerated, no one in the world knew of his incarceration at that point. And he tells the story how they put him in his, his underwear and with a little, little uh, a shirt, and it was very cold. It was freezing, and on that fourth day, part of their interrogation tactics was to stick him in a room where they made him stand like this, frozen or still. And every time he moved, there was a hidden camera in the room, and they would, they would come in yelling at him. And he said that as he was standing there, all of a sudden he was freezing the whole time. His left arm got really, really warm. And not uncomfortably warm, but a really nice heat. And as he looked at his hand, his whole arm was filled with gold dust. (laughs) And as he looked at it, it was sparkly and gold. He could feel it with his other hand. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Kenneth, I am with you and I will carry you through this time. During his two years, they hated him. They, he, he, they, they yelled at him. They interrogated him. It was a very hard time. He actually ended up in the hospital half of his two years. But when he came and talked to us, all he could say was how God had warmed his heart towards the North Korean people, even towards the government. And not their policies, but to them as people. And he just shared about the love of God and how he loved them and how God had changed, changed his heart towards them. In the last six months while he was there, as he had reached out in love as much as he could, he told me that when he left, he had over 30 very close friends among the hospital and among the prison staff. They were starting to call him pastor, which is a very high respect in the Korean culture. Kenneth himself is a Korean-American and then people would sign up on these lists because they had to find out um, what he was talking about. And they started coming in for all kinds of counseling, parental counseling, guidance counseling, healing, whatever they needed. All these people were coming and they all told him, you've got to come back to North Korea, but not in this way. Come outside and we want to take you out for dinner. <laughs> and that was his story. Oh, God is moving around the world. In my own journey, I've had a wonderful year walking with Jesus. At the end of the year, I usually take a couple of days where I get alone and just seek God for the new year. As last year was ending, I wasn't sure really where I was supposed to go or what I was supposed to do. It was about this time. It was the end of December. I still hadn't made a decision. I'm on a bike ride in Kona, Hawaii, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, you're supposed to speak on the first Sunday in January in Manhattan in New York. And I'm like, great, where? <laughs> you know. Anyway, I didn't have any idea, so I just thought, oh, maybe I heard God wrong. I got back from my bike ride, and on my phone was a text from my friend. And his dad is a pastor in Manhattan. He said, my dad just asked me, can you speak the first Sunday in Manhattan in New York? I'm like... Uh, Yes. (laughs) Quick confirmation. So I went out there. The, The cheapest flight I could get actually got me to New York a couple of days early. And I remember after I booked that flight, the Holy Spirit said, remember the two days at the end of the year you're supposed to have? You're supposed to have that in New York. So I had two amazing days walking the streets of Manhattan. One of the things I love as I enter big cities around the world is cathedrals. I don't know why. God's always seemed to touch my heart as I am able to walk into them. And on this day, my friends had told me which ones to go to. So I'm walking around New York, and I saw a cathedral, but it wasn't the ones they had told me to go into. As I walked into this one, I was amazed as I opened the doors, there, were no, there was nobody in there. And as I looked around, all I could hear was an organ recital. And I went and sat down, and there was a lady practicing the organ, and for 45 minutes, I got a private organ recital in a cathedral in New York City. And as I sat there, and I thought, man, it's like a dream to get a private recital in a cathedral. like, yeah, that doesn't happen. And as I am listening to this, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, Dan, you need to know that you are special. That I would rearrange your day, I would rearrange your life to make sure you know that you're special. And I did this just for you. And Dan, as you travel around this year, I want you to tell people around the world that they're special too. That they're special too. I went down and I found the one, the cathedral that my friends had mentioned. And as I walked in, it was packed with people. People. And I sat down, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Dan, I care for the masses. When you travel the world this year, tell people I care for the masses. I left that one, and I went, and I found a third one. As I walked in, I looked, and in front was this incredible sculpture with the biggest, most details I've ever seen in my life. And as I'm staring at this, the Holy Spirit speaks again to me, and he says, Dan, I care about the detail." Go tell people around the world that I care about the details of their life. And as I was praying for you this morning, I want you to know that God thinks you're special. He's not disappointed with you, he's not upset, he's not looking down like, why haven't you done this? Or why don't you do more? No, he's looking down, thinking and knowing that you're special and he just wants you to know that. He's not disappointed. And as, I look, and, and as I've been walking with God, even this year, I've been realizing he really cares about the details. Don't you love that about Jesus? He cares about the details of our life. In this year, yeah, as my book has come out, I've had a lot of opportunities to talk about fear. And this morning, I want, or this afternoon, I just want to share some thoughts about fear. The book covers different fears that we face in our life. But specifically today, I want to talk about the fear of failure. The fear of failure is one of the biggest fears that grip us. And you know, the fear of failure <clears throat> is not only bad in of itself, like, yeah, it's a problem <clears throat> to, to fail, but the fear of failure is also a thing that when you fail, then the next time you want to try to step out in what God's calling you to do, then you're kind of scared. You're kind of like guarded. And man, you want to take a risk, but last time you did not didn't work out, so why try again? And that's what happens with the fear of failure. The change that has really <clears throat> helped me in my own journey is that how does God look at it when we fail? How does he look at it? I used to always see God growing up as looking down like this, looking at me going, Dan, Dan no, why? Why did you do that? No, 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 Dan, you should never have done that. No, 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 Dan, don't do that. And I used to always see God looking down like that. But the more I get to know God, He's not like that at all. What is God like? (laughs) I think He's like this. I was in the room when my nephew started to walk. (laughs) That was a good day. My nephew's name is Caleb, and he had never taken a step in his life. And he's there on the couch, and he leans off the couch, and he's holding the couch. Now in the room is his dad, and me, and a bunch of other people. And as he's holding the couch, he lets go with one hand, and then he lets go with the other. And then he takes a step. And then what? (laughs) He falls, right? So does his dad do this? Caleb, (laughs) nice try, but you failed. (laughs) I guess you'll never walk. I mean, A for effort, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you had a chance, but yeah, you you missed it. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Yeah, you know, crawling's not so bad, Caleb. (laughs) You can crawl. And what goes through our mind when we hear this is like, no, that's not true. You're right. I was there. On that day, the dad has a beaming smile on his face, and he runs down, and he picks up his son, and he starts bragging to the whole room, look at my son, he's walking. (laughs) He's not walking, (laughs) he took one step. But that doesn't matter to the dad. And as he's picking him up, and as he's bragging to the whole room, there's no thought in his mind that he's not going to walk. There's no thought in his mind that his destiny is in question. Because the destiny of God for our lives are in his hands. And hundreds of times this will happen as Caleb learns to walk until one day he's running around the house and tearing it apart. (laughs) That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. I look at the life of Peter. I'm so challenged by his life in so many ways. You know, Peter got something that we all want. There was this day in his life where Jesus comes to him. He looks him in the eyes and says, Hey, Peter, you're the rock. You're the rock, and on you I will build my church. I wonder how he felt, I would have felt so good, (laughs) oh my goodness, I would have been like boys, he didn't say that to you. (laughs) Like straight to his face, his destiny from the man. When Jesus spoke those words, he knew what would happen, and that day came. And that day came where Peter is there near Jesus' death, and someone comes up to Peter and says, yeah, you were with him. And Peter's like, no, no, I don't, I don't know him. And someone else was like, no, 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 you, you were with him. I saw you with him. He's like, no, no, haven't met him. And the third person comes up and goes, no, 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 you were with him. And Peter's like, yeah, no. And all we know is it says the rooster crowed and Peter went out and wept. But you know what, it's not the end of the story. John 21 is this wonderful story where Jesus is on the shore cooking breakfast. The boys are out fishing and Peter is coming in from fishing. As he's coming in from fishing, I wonder what was going through his mind. As he begins to see Jesus on the shore, I wonder if it was like this. Who is that? No, it's Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. Oh, my goodness. And the thoughts running through his mind, like, oh, Jesus who loves us. Jesus who who called out my destiny. Jesus who we've had the privilege to live with. Oh, it's Jesus. He remembers what I just did. And there must have been a tug of war in his heart. And he comes in. And Jesus is making breakfast. (laughs) Watch out when you fail. Jesus might make you breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And as he's cooking breakfast, he looks at Peter three times and says this, Do you love me? And Peter's like, Yeah, you know I love you. And then he says these wonderful words, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What does that mean? It means, Peter, you're still in it means, Peter, I still have a plan for you. It means, Peter, your momentary failure does not change the destiny I have for your life. That what I spoke over your life a while back is still true and amen. That moment of failure doesn't change it. And it was just a few days later. The fire falls in Acts chapter two. Who is it who stands up? It's Peter. And he looks at the crowd and he says, I know, I know, I really know who this is. Yeah. When we fail, it's an invitation to discover and find out how wonderful Jesus is. In my own life, I've had many moments of failure when I've discovered God's character. Let me tell you a couple of stories. Six months after I was in prison in Iran, I... Ran, I I was praying one day, and me and my friend felt like we were supposed to go back and visit Afghanistan. At this time, it was the Taliban who was running the nation. So immediately, all these fears of prison and all this stuff from my time of incarceration came back. It was, yeah, a very hard time. And I was thinking, no, 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 I think I heard God wrong. I don't think so. But God kept pressing us. Now, the only way to get into the country at that time was to fly to Pakistan and take a bus across to Afghanistan because they had shut down the airport. God spoke to us. He led us. We, we had a two-week journey. People supported it, and, it, and we it got behind us. The plan was, was to land in Pakistan, take a bus over to Afghanistan for a week, come back to Pakistan, and then come back to Colorado, where we were living. I'll never forget as I landed in Pakistan. As I got out of the airport, I knew it wasn't Iran, I knew it wasn't Afghanistan, where Islam has is just had a stronger place, more radical place, but Pakistan is still Muslim, and they dress the same, and I came out of the airport, and this fear goes, Do you ever get that? And I remember just standing there and shaking, so I went to my friend, and I'm like, okay, we're doing spiritual warfare, and we prayed, and we did spiritual warfare, <clears throat> but nothing changed. For two days, we we had to arrange our visas and our bus tickets, and it finally came time to go on the bus. And I get to the bus stop. Now, at the same time, there were two people from the hospital where I used to work in Afghanistan. That's what I did in Afghanistan. I worked at a hospital. They were also on that bus. As we got to the bus stop, I saw them there, and I looked at my friend, and I said, Brother... I don't know what to say, but I can't take the chance of going back to prison right now. I've been scared since I landed, and I can't take the chance, and I'm not going with you. I said, my friends are here, they'll take care of you. And my friend looks at me and goes, no, Dan, you can do it. You can conquer this fear. And I'm like, "Uh, no, I can't. And my friend took off. As he took off, I went back to my room I had promised him I would spend that extra week in Pakistan and wait for him. I got back in the room and all of a sudden my heart broke. And my heart broke and I remember just lying there. If I was ever aware of my shame, I was aware of my shame at that moment. Dan, how can you do it? You talk big about taking the world and now look at you. It's crunch time and you can't do it. Why, why did you fail? And as I'm feeling this heaviness in my heart, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and this is what he says. Hey, Dan, there's a really good restaurant down the road. Let's go for lunch. (laughs) And I'm like, oh God, what's wrong with me? God, why why did I give in? God, why did I fail? The Holy Spirit speaks again. He's like, Dan, you'll really like the food, let's go. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? I just can't handle it. Why? Why don't I do the right thing? (laughs) And the Holy Spirit speaks again and goes, Dan, come on. Let's have fun in Pakistan. (laughs) I'm like, no, God, I'm a failure. I failed you. I failed my friend. I failed my supporters. I failed everybody. And God speaks again and goes, Dan, you'll like the food. Let's go. (laughs) What's going on? Jesus was over my failure. I wasn't, but he was. And I'm like, God, I can't go enjoy my day in Pakistan. He's like, why not? I'm like, because you saw what I just did. I just failed. He's like, sorry, Dan, sorry, Dan. Can you remind me? What'd you do? Like, no, 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 God, you were there, man. You saw, I just messed up. He's like, sorry, Dan, yeah, yeah. Can you remind me? And I had to accept the forgiveness of God. And I remember as I lied there, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not worthy. I don't know why you would forgive me, but I accepted somehow. And I remember going to the restaurant. I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, Dan, isn't it good? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Dan, you enjoying it? I'm like, I'm trying. (laughs) God was over my failure. When we discover the love of God, when we discover how good he is, man, we will will wanna leave our failures behind. When we discover that we're special, when we discover that that he's thinking about us good thoughts, man, we wanna leave our failures behind and we wanna step out again. Risk becomes way less risky when we're staring at Jesus. When you're staring at Jesus, what's risky? Because the God of the universe loves us. And six months later, I went to Afghanistan, and I went <clears throat> all the way in. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. And he opened up another door. I love it. Let me tell you another story of overcoming fear. I love it when you lean into Jesus. When I was in prison, I had two death sentences on my life. They told me I would either be executed or be there forever. And I'll never forget this day when they called me before a trial. I didn't know I would be on trial. I didn't know that, yeah, I would even have a a court case. It was there that they told me all this stuff. I speak the Iranian language. It's the same as Afghanistan. And as they brought me into my trial room, into the courtroom, I remember standing there shaking. I struggled a lot with fear in prison. I'm I'm not like Paul and Silas. (laughs) I I shook a lot. I, I didn't sleep well. And on that day was one of the most crazy days of fear. As I'm standing there, the room is packed with people. There's video cameras and in walks the judge and he looks at me and this is what he says. He said, Sir, this is your trial. We have this death sentence against you. This is your one chance to speak. Why? Why did you come to Iran? And I remember standing there shaking and all of a sudden that scripture came to my mind. Don't worry when you're called before the authorities, for at that time, I'm gonna give you the words to say. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth came this. I came here today to tell you about Jesus Christ. I'm like, what did I say? Am I crazy? And as I said it, something rose up within me, the power of God to overcome our fear. And I said it again, and I said it again, and I ended up preaching for over half an hour. (laughs) All glory to Jesus. And every time I preached, and every time I said something, something rose up in my heart. And I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was with me. And I began to stare at Jesus. And as, as we seek to get over our fears, I hope none of you ever have to go through a crazy story like that. You're like me neither. <laughs> but whatever fears that we face, the principles are the same. Romans 8.15, for he has not given us a spirit of slavery that leads again to fear, but a spirit of adoption where we can cry, Abba, Father. And the real answer to our fears is not getting over our fears. The answer to our fears is more of Jesus. Like, what would we do right now if Jesus walked into this room? We wouldn't have time to worry about our fears, would we? We wouldn't have time to think about a lot else, would we? Why? Because we would be captivated by the man. Captivated by him. And this is the Christian journey that he invites us to. Fear loses its sting. The fear of failure loses its power when we look at Jesus, when we realize that he's with us, that we realize that he's holding our hand, that when we realize that whatever we failed with in the past, it's a new day, and we can step out again, and we can try again, and we know that he is going to be with us. That's who Jesus is. Amen. Let's pray. As I prayed for this time this afternoon, I felt like there might be some of you who've struggled with the fear of failure. Maybe there's been failures in your past and all you feel is condemnation. Jesus wants to free you. Maybe there's been failures in your past and you're, you're really scared to try again. Maybe your heart's really guarded from stepping out into something new. Jesus wants to rescue us. He wants to rescue us. He's holding our hand. He is with us. He's holding our hand. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. I want you just to, where you are, just stand up, and I want to pray for you. If there's been fears that maybe it's not failure, maybe it's other fears in your life, and you would just like to discover Jesus being bigger than that, yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when Peter failed, it wasn't the end. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we fail, it's not the end. And I pray for my friends, God, who've struggled with moments of failure and who've, who've felt a heaviness about it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in its place today they would discover the love of God. That the love of God would become so real to them that they would know, that they would know, that they would know that you're holding their hand and that with you we can do all things. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would loosen the grip. Loosen the grip that our failures have had on us, God. Free us from condemnation, Jesus. And most of all, give us a revelation of who you are. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. It's about you, Lord Jesus. And as we look at you, we see, we see everything that we want. And we know that we can walk forward no matter what we failed with in the past. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen.